Coming to you live from the JRE Tobacco Aladino Mobile Studios, it's the Cigar Pulpit. Hello everybody and welcome to another sermon from the Cigar Pulpit. Nick, and with me, we have Mr. Ferry Otago himself. We have Michael Herklotz coming to us via Zoom. How are you? What's happening? How you doing? I'm doing great, man. How you doing? I'm good. It feels like just yesterday you and I were enjoying the uh, nice, pleasant weather of uh, the east coast of Florida there. And, That's uh, true. I feel like so often this is always like a uh, long time no see. Great to finally at least do this virtually. But right. I did just bro hug you like eight days ago. <laughs> I was going to say, it was like a week and a half ago at this point. So, um yeah, but but you got tied up in that conversation with uh, the one customer, Jimmy, and I did not want to break that up for for this, you know, back and forth. Well, here we are. There it's you another go. Another excuse to get together. I'll take it. I love it. Well, today I'm going to be firing up a cigar that uh, I've been sitting on for a little while. I, I, I had it in the humidor. I bought it, and uh, I, I've been uh, sitting on it, waiting for you to come back on the show. And you know, we've run into each other, TPE, various things like that, but. You know, calendars just haven't quite worked out for us until now, but I'm firing up the Ferriotego Generoso 2021. The inaugural. The inaugural. Yeah. Now, which, by the way, was released just over two years ago uh, today. It would be, We started shipping the very first week of October 2021. Fantastic. So officially two years in business. How about that? Well, hey, you know what? You make it to five, then you're set. Yeah. Two two is great. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, I don't want to dismiss that, but but you know, five, that's when that's when I at least for me with my business, I realized like, okay, this is actually kind of a thing that could keep going for a little while. So All right, three more. There you go. Your lips to God's ears, bro. You got it. You got it. So Tell me a little bit about this cigar. Um, the research that I did just before we got on here, um, 6x50 Toro and produced uh, for you from the Placencia factory, correct? Yeah, it's a blend I do with Placencia. It's a blend that's made once annually. Um, so unlike traditional core lines where you're constantly reproducing and for that matter, reblending to make sure that they are consistent every single time with Generoso and its sister Elegancia, um, which I'm smoking right now. Okay. Um, they are made once per year and the blends are not replicated to the prior production, but rather they are remade in the style and spirit of what Elegancia and Generoso is, but sort of, a fresh approach each time. Um, so if you like Elegancia 2021 and you smoke the 22, you're going to like the 23 and say, yep, that's Elegancia. But if you smoke all three of them side by side in a vertical tasting, you might be able to pick up some of the specific nuance that is perhaps unique to each uh, production year. And same with the Generoso for that matter. So it's not replicated to the 22, which would have been replicated to the 21 in a traditional core. This is, okay, Generoso equals the relationship of strength, flavors, aroma, combustion, and let's do it again. That sounds like you've taken a very um, 
for lack of a better descriptive, like a wine approach to it, to where it's like, you know, you have the 20, the 2016, you know, port and the 2017 port and people might say, oh, I really liked this year, maybe a little bit more than this year because this year had more of what I like and that sort of thing. It is very much a wine model. Okay. The biggest difference is uh, in wine, we know that what's in the bottle is 100% that vintage and therefore an expression of whatever God gave him that year in the vineyard. In the case of Ferriotego, Elegancia and Generoso, it is not vintage. So the tobaccos themselves are from different regions and different uh, harvest years and, and seed varieties and leaf positions. And that's not necessarily replicated each year. Um, so it's a difficult comparison apples to apples but the spirit of the project is very much the, the spirit of wine. Gotcha. Well, I'm getting ready to cut my cigar, and the official cutting is brought to you by Dan the Man Ponder at Riverman Cigar Company of Crestwood, Missouri. And, guys, if you're in the St. Louis area and you want to try some Ferry Otago cigars, head on over to Dan the Man Ponder at Riverman Cigar Company. He has the Metropolitan, the Timeless, and he does get in the uh, Generoso. And uh, I'm... Uh, uh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. You literally just said it. The Generoso and the Elegancia. Elegancia. <laughs> I got the man himself in front of me, and I'm drawing a blank on the cigar name. Um, But, yeah. And hopefully Suma. And hopefully Suma. I ha- I'll admit, I haven't been by there in uh, a little bit. I've been running around crazy. But, uh, you know, I will check for that as soon as I go in there the next time. But if you're in the St. Louis area, you can go by, swing by, and pick some up. If you're not in the St. Louis area and you still want to support a brick-and-mortar shop, he does do mail order, so you can give him a call and uh, place your order for singles, boxes, whatever, right away. It's Riverman Cigar Company of Crestwood, Missouri. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and cut my cigar. I think I left some schmuckus in my cutter from last night because schmuckus yeah you know the technical term that is an industry term a lot of people don't know that oh really schmuckus yeah <laughs> i'll admit yeah, a lot of people are unfamiliar with the industry terms i mean you know i thought it was uh they uh, stop at lajero or they stop at you know vitola, vitola. Parejo, but schmuckus schmuckus is actually all right then one of the originals well um Hmm. There's a little earthy and chocolatey, cocoa-y component to the to the cold draw. I don't. You're not into the flavor note thing, are you? Though. I am. I am. Are you? I mean, look, we we need them. We need meaningful ways to describe and discern one cigar from another cigar. Yeah. And the only way to differentiate a tube of rolled up brown leaves that tastes like tobacco is to describe them in words other than just tobacco. So I'm a, I am a big believer in it. Absolutely. Okay. Then I was just giving you a hard time. I mean, it's common. It happens. So that's all right. So I, I, again, you know, we had you, we, we found you at TPE. Um, I don't remember if that, that wasn't this year, was it? Two years. Two years ago. Two years. Yeah, I was going to say, this year is when it was in February, and that conflicted with uh, the event in the Dominican. Yeah, Pro Cigar. I couldn't go. Brendan went. Okay. So, we haven't really caught up since pre-Ferriotego 
you know, days. It was crazy, man. Just a little bit before Ferry Otego, if I recall. It was right right before. Sorry about that. That's, I mean, you know, timing is what it is. So, um, so yeah, so let's get into that. So let's, for those people who maybe are new to you and new to the brand, let's review and recap kind of the, 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 the genesis of, of Ferry Otego. How did this, you know, give me the, the elevator speech of how that kind of came about. Yeah, I mean, I have been in the industry uh, a tremendously long time. Um, I started in 1999, so much of my career was in retail, about four years in Boston, then nine years um, with Davidoff in New York City, and then another nine years with Nat Sherman in New York City. Um, When I joined Nat Sherman, though, my work was not exclusively – uh, retail, I was also responsible um, for the cigar part of the business. So we, of course, had a, a pretty famous retail store in New York City, but um, there was a portfolio of premium cigars that uh, the Sherman family really wanted to kind of kick up and bring back. And so that was my work, um, creating blends, preserving and maintaining blends for Nat Sherman. That was 2011 to 2020. Um, the company was bought in 2017 by Altria. And so I worked my last two or three years under Altria. And then ultimately, um, they tried to, they were going to close the business. We tried to sell the business and were very far along. Then uh, the world turned upside down with COVID. And so that was the end of that. And we ultimately closed the business. And then um, I started Ferriotego after. After 22 years or so of uh, of having the good fortune of working for other people and making a living in this industry, talking with so many of my friends in the business, everyone was just so incredibly encouraging to um, to to go it solo and do my own thing and start a company, and so that is how Ferriotego was born. And then shortly after I started um, doing some of that work, uh, it became apparent that I might be able to acquire the brands that I had worked on, whether it was to maintain or that I created for Nat Sherman. And uh, so I got together with the former CFO of Nat Sherman, Brendan Scott, and we decided to go at it together. And um, and so shortly after forming Ferry Otego, we purchased all of the brands and intellectual property that was Nat Sherman, that's Timeless, Metropolitan, Epoca, and Cora. And um, rather than starting only from scratch, we started Ferriotego as a brand, but also as a halo that would then welcomed back Timeless and Metropolitan. No, and that's fantastic. Now, and that's the Reader's Digest version. No, Sorry. That, no, that's great. That catches everybody up. So then, um, the 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 uh, Metropolitan, the Timeless, they kind of roll back out, and you kind of, and it was kind of a, a, it was it was interesting to watch as it happened because you had various um, ones kind of slowly trickle. You didn't just throw it all out there at once. You kind of trickled it no. out and kind of rebuilt it slowly that way. Yeah, it was important to make sure that we took our time with it. I mean, you know, it was a it's a lot for everyone. Yeah, it was a lot for factories. I mean, don't forget it was it was the covid boom. There was no factory in desperate need of production. Every factory was 
was killing production. Yeah. Uh, so it was a lot for the factories just from a prioritization and, and uh, um, infrastructure standpoint. It was a lot for um, our distribution partners. We're distributed by Davidoff USA. So it was a lot for them just from a system standpoint and an integration standpoint. And then let's, it's a lot for retailers. I mean, yeah. you know, for, it was basically a year from a little more. It's probably 14 months from the time we um, stopped selling Metropolitan and Timeless till we reintroduced it. And so lots of people, I'm sure, sold out of what they had and made room for something else. And uh, and you, you being know, in not... retail, you know shelf space is valuable. Of course. Yeah. Of course. So we were trying to come up with a strategy that was thoughtful, that took into account all of our partners, um, but also to move as quickly as possible um, so that we weren't offsides for too long. And, you know, we were able to just start making some meaningful progress. But it was it was basically 12 months, um, 11 months from the time we actually did the deal until the time we shipped. So these factories that you're working with to, to produce the cigars, you know, obviously at some point they were given notice, hey, this is the end of the line for, you know, the Metropolitan, whatever, or, you know, whatever it is. And and so they start planning their future based upon not having that cigar to produce anymore. Then you come along and you say, hey, we're back. We have this and we want to do it and we want it to be the same as it was before. How hard was that to negotiate? Or to navigate? It wasn't hard to negotiate. It was challenging to communicate. Um, only because there was just so many updates. Um, but, you know, these are manufacturers that I'd worked with for so long. And for so close. Um, that we were in pretty regular touch throughout the whole process. So, um, when we were first trying to sell the business, obviously we were in close touch during that. Then when we were ultimately going to shut down the business, we were in close touch during that. When I was looking at Ferry Otego as an option to go out on my own, I was in touch with what production may look like, uh, what options may look like for me with those three factories if I went out on my own and did my own thing. And what types of products we might be able to create together like we did before. So there were lots of ongoing conversations. Then once it became clear that, that we had a... Um, a pretty viable shot at acquiring, we called them all again and said, actually, hold up, because we may be able to buy this stuff. So don't don't write us off yet. Don't throw anything out yet. Let's figure out what's what. And uh, and then ultimately, when we did the deal, we did it in November of 20. Um, and all the factories closed for the holidays. So we basically called all the factories and said, look, we did this deal. It is done. We are going to start, but obviously there's nothing to do now. So maybe we can just kind of talk through what January might look like. And then off to the races, we went in January. Wow. Okay. Well, that's not so bad. I was thinking like, you know, it's one of those things where if you shut down the machine, it takes forever for it to restart. And it's a, it's a giant well, pain, the, but. Because I don't know if that should have been the case. Yeah. But it wasn't. And there was so much enthusiasm and support for this project 
I mean, again, if you put it into the context of timing, no factory had, you know, uh, available hours in their day for more production. I mean, everyone was already at full at maximum capacity at that time. And so I, I have to give credit to the factories who who prioritized our project in a way that allowed us to deliver as soon as we could and do it as smoothly as we did. Because I'm not sure that uh, the the extent to which things went smoothly, I'm not sure it would have been that smooth for someone else. Yeah, I really think every factory went above and beyond um, to do this right and get us back in market as quickly as possible. Because I think they really believed in it as much as we did. Oh, that's great. And you know what? I always say, and I'm not necessarily chucking up just a luck, but quite frankly, I'll say, I always say better lucky than good. So, you know, I mean, maybe it's a situation where your past relationships counted for a lot and, you know, it, it helped you out in that regard. And you got just a little lucky there at the, at the right time. So that works out well. Yeah. I'm a big believer. You have to treat people with respect you have to be honest. You have to be, you know, transparent. You have to be a man of your word. That's business, you know, in everything. You, you stay above board all the time. And there's lots of ways to grow a business faster, easier, cheaper. Um, and we just never did. I've never, I wasn't raised that way. I never did it with Nat Sherman. I never did it with Davidoff before. And so, you know, you ask yourself, you know, why, why do good guys come in last sometimes? But when good guys need help, they get help, help comes there you and go. everybody, everybody helped, man. That's awesome. That's really great to hear. Now let's talk about Davidoff. So that's the other, like, you know, thing that kind of came along for you relatively early. There was the distribution deal with Davidoff. I mean, that's huge for a small startup, you know, cigar brand that now you've got this sales force out there. That's, that's, you know, promoting your brand. I mean, it, granted, you're traveling, what, a ton? A ton. Yeah. So, I mean, and you have to put yourself out there. But at the same time, I mean, my God, that's great that you've got a sales force out there also promoting the brand. Yeah. And these guys are, you know, it's not just a sales force. It's right. Davidoff USA sales force. Um, so very fortunate. Um, but, hell, I had spent nine years working for Davidoff, then another nine years working with Davidoff on a couple of our blends for Nat Sherman. So it really was a 18, 19 year working relationship uninterrupted that, um, that just worked out, I suppose. I, you know, and I've heard it so many different times, but it, this, the way this is all kind of coming together is it just, it's, it's just that much more proof that, not just in this industry, but especially it feels like in the cigar industry, it's it's such a relationship game, you, you know, that it's all just based on relationships. And if you can maintain and have those good relationships, you're going to get that much further. You're my distraction, but I just realized that I was relying on Wi-Fi and my Wi-Fi says there's only one bar. Oh, so I just want to plug in. So I there might click go. for a second, but hopefully that's better. Um, yeah, man. The the relationship thing is everything at the end of the day. It really is. It's it's everything. And I think that's the way in every business, but because this relation this industry is so traditional 
and so old school. I mean, you know, there are very few contracts in the premium cigar industry. There's a lot of handshakes and a lot of reputational um, trust. That's how a lot of this work is done. And uh, so it's just, it's a, it's a pretty incredible, it's been a pretty incredible journey, Nick. That's great. That's great to hear. So let's talk about the growth of Ferio Tego. So you launch in, uh, when did you officially launch? That would have been October of 21, 21. Okay. So you've been, so, okay. Yeah. The launch, you know, the shipment of these. So then, um, uh, two years now. In the growth of uh, the company in those two years, what how how has it gone? It's gone great. It's a it's an interesting thing to try and reconcile because, on the one hand, um, we are a we are a two year old startup, and on the other hand, we have brands that have been in market for almost 30 years yeah, and, and we're distributed by an industry leader. And so it's, it's sometimes difficult to truly kind of um, gauge success because there's so many different things to measure. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um, if we were just taking it at the highest level I'm also, I'm never happy. You know what I mean? Like I'm just, <laughs> well, no, that's one a good those, thing though. I'm one of those guys that is just constantly, you know, unsatisfied and that's terrible. I need to do a better job of, yeah, but when it comes to business, celebrating the wins. Well, that's true. That's true. You got to stop and smell the roses, but at the same time in business, man, you got to have that, that next goal, that next, you know, hurdle that you yeah. want to jump. So I can say we are, we are certainly light years ahead of where a two-year-old premium cigar startup company should be. That's for sure. Um, we've got all nine legacy blends back in market. We have produced three productions of the annual limited release Ferriotegos. We released the core line Suma this summer. Um, We've celebrated the 10th anniversary of Timeless with a limited edition that is sold out. We've shipped to probably 1,200 stores or more since inception, and we're turning and burning in about 500 stores that have reordered this year. Um, that is a lot to be proud of. And oh, so for sure. I, I would say that we're, we're certainly well on our way, but we are still a new business and a new brand, and we're still in real need of advocacy and enthusiasm and storytelling and word of mouth. Now, one of the things that you just said, and, and I want to circle back to is, um, that you're a two year old company that has products that have been put out for, you know, decades. And, you know, like my dad speaks very highly of he he visited the Nat Sherman store in uh, New York and he he's he it was funny he, he we were talking about that we were going to be doing this and he said you know going to that Nat Sherman lounge she's like it was one of those places he's like you go to cigar lounges and you, you just you're comfortable he's like but that one was just like a step up you felt like you were somebody when you went to that place and 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 uh, he speaks very highly of the Metropolitan he loved the Metropolitan and everything and. Uh, obviously you brought that back and he's happy. 
Um, but I know another friend of mine. Uh, well, we just had the know, experience sitting in, in Florida together. Right? Precisely. You know, as I was sitting there, the random customer walks by with his and dog, reintroduced himself to the store owner and said, you sold me that brand that used to be a Nat Sherman while I was sitting there. Yeah. I was like, and then Ken's like, oh, well, here's Mr. Nat Sherman sitting right here. Yeah, exactly. It was great. Yeah. And uh, but but my point is, though, it's like, is that weird that you have a you're building your own brand, you're building the Ferio Tego brand, you're building your own company. But is it weird that maybe more that brand recognition and, and name ID and everything is higher for a company that no longer technically exists that, that, you know, that you're now putting out it's the a, product, you know, I don't think weird is the right descriptor. I mean, it's just, it's the reality. Yeah. The reality is that Nat Sherman or not even Nat Sherman, because none of the product says Nat Sherman. Yeah. But, Metropolitan and Timeless have been on the minds of consumers dating back to 1995 with Metropolitan and 2012 with Timeless. So, of course, Metropolitan and Timeless have more familiarity than Ferriotego that has two years in market. Uh, but I also believe that that the over the last two years, the brand awareness and growth of the Ferriotego brand and its equity has been at certainly a faster pace than we experienced when we were trying to grow Timeless back in 2011, 2012. No, that's um, good. So it, and quite frankly, these are blends and brands that I'm proud of. You know, I was proud of them then, and I'm certainly proud of them now. We own them. Um, and so if that means that we have to do some extra storytelling for those people who are familiar with some of the earlier history, then no problem. Those are stories that we're willing to tell. But what I think is really encouraging is that those are not stories that we must tell. And what we're seeing, you know, every day that goes by um, are more and more people discovering Ferriotego as a company, discovering the brands and blends of Ferriotego, which include Elegancia, Generoso, Suma, Timeless, and Metropolitan, and are learning it and discovering it as a company in 2023. And ultimately, that's how, they, how this will continue to go, you know, as time moves on. Well, and one of the things that you were talking about with Ken uh, that I thought was really brilliant was um that you guys had put together a tray and that you had the seven the the spots for the seven different you know cigars in this tray and and but it was all summarizing it up it was all designed to kind of create this like almost like visual family of metropolitan timeless but then also the Ferriotego blends and that way it kind of tied them together a little bit and that it's not just metropolitan timeless over here and then the ferry otago stuff over here right and and you know we already do that to some extent on our packaging so every box of timeless and metropolitan says exclusively for ferry otago every cigar says exclusively for ferry otago um and the early thought 
was to brand it even more obviously very Ortega. I was going to say, because it's a little, I mean, not to criticize or anything, but it is very subtle. It's very subtle. But that's also because, and you know this as well as anyone, when anything changes, despite the fact that it's exactly the same, it's an excuse to suggest that everything has changed. Mm -hmm. And so we thought it prudent to keep everything as as close to original as possible to make sure that everyone could kind of track because there was a lot, let's face it, there's a lot of change. Um, So it was important for us to stay familiar. And so the only thing that changed were the words on that secondary band to say Ferry Otego. Um, But some of the work we're doing now is to enhance some of that branding to try and connect it more closely with Ferry Otego. Well, and and that's something to emphasize is that the blends did not change from the Nat Sherman days to the Ferry Otego days. I think the best way to say it is the blends are the best they've ever been. Okay. So in some cases, there was a little polish. In some cases, there was, we put a little nuance. Like I've said, you know, if if you had to go back into the studio to re-record an album, you wouldn't repeat the mistakes that you made when you went into the studio the first time sense. in the spirit of consistency. Um, so we did take the opportunity on some blends to polish a touch. Um, I'd say Metropolitan across the board is as original as uh, as they've, they've ever been. I mean, they're, they're spot on. We did, however, um, without changing flavor, we did slightly enhanced body um and that just makes the blends taste and feel relevant and and um current as opposed to feeling like 30 year old blends uh so that was some work just done in primings but didn't affect flavor and then in timeless the supreme we did incorporate a bit of Lajero where historically we didn't use much Lajero in that blend mm-hmm. because it really met people's expectations better uh, and it better rounded out the the full experience of the timeless portfolio going from Sterling to Prestige to Panamericana to Supreme. Okay. Um, so we made a couple, I mean, again, more polishing tweaks than anything. I haven't met anyone that said I used to like it and now I don't. Um, that's good most of the feedback is wow these are better than i remember well that's good so and then of course elegancia generoso and suma never existed that is all brand new work completely new blends that's not anything old that was repurposed that's 100 percent new work no prior expectations on that right that's good so let this this kind of dovetails into an interesting let's talk about your your um um mindset your 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 what's a mindset probably the best word i can come up with for for blending because we touched on it very briefly i heard you mention it to jimmy down in florida a little bit and it kind of just um you don't go into it saying like i want it to taste like that you have your your parameters that you want to set uh, for for a blend, like what when you're sitting down to put together a cigar blend, what are you looking for? Creating a blend experience is not an easy thing to do. 
for me, there's something about creating body and texture and behavior first and then tweaking the flavor later because I think it's the thing that is often overlooked and it's what really allows our blends to stand out um, as unique. When you can create body and texture and mouthfeel and behavior that is mouthfillingly full, that is balanced across the palate, that um, considers saliva and um, how the smoke is impacting whether the condition of your palate. Those are all things that are rarely um, reviewed, but are certainly considered in one way or another. And I believe that those are really the um, the enhancements to a blend that make it truly exceptional and different from the rest of the blends on the market. Okay. Well, one of the things you just touched on, um, I, again, we talked about this in Florida, but I found it fascinating and I want to bring it up now. Um, and I know I've talked about it on the, the cast is, um, some some cigars be it either individual tobaccos or blends they will trigger either a drying sensation in the mouth or maybe more saliva production in the mouth can you get into like why that necessarily is so the the palate is very responsive and depending on how it's stimulated and where it's stimulated it causes different behavior to occur so if you think about the things that make you salivate, they are typically things that um, impact the sides of the palate. So um, salty things, sour things, high acid things, those are, I mean, you can just envision the feeling of putting salt in your mouth, biting into a lemon. All of those things induce a... Uh, saliva reaction if you think of the alternative there are things that are drying that are more evaporative or astringent um, and sometimes that's because of how they are impact but often it's because of what they lack and so i find saliva is typically induced by acid and salt and sour and the lack of the the lack of a presence of saltiness or acid or sour will not stimulate saliva at all, resulting in a palate that is dry. Okay, but it's not unlike how we cook. I mean, there's there's virtually salt in every single dish that we create. There's salt in cookies for crying out loud. Yeah, you know. Because it, you need to create some saliva. You need to balance the palate and balance the dish or, or that particular um, thing. I, I really believe exactly the same in blending. And so I think, I think much more culinarily, if that's a word, um, than 
I do, uh, or than I assume most cigar people think. So then are there certain kinds of tobacco that you can look at and you can say, okay, that one is going to produce or going to give you more of that salty experience or that one is going to, you know, I guess what I'm asking is, can you look at a cigar and say, okay, that one's going to produce a lot of saliva and that one's not? Or is that kind of one of those, it's really, it's really all up to the blend? Because the other thing is how they go together. So any rule that you think applies to one tobacco does not necessarily apply once it's combined with something else. Okay. Um, which makes this business very difficult bro, because <laughs> you just can't get it right no matter what, um, which is why you have to blend and you have to try. Um, but there are tobaccos that are sort of notoriously drying. Um, like Olor, for example, tends to be a bit drying. Um, Costa Rican tobaccos tend to be salty. Uh, San Vicente tends to be acidic. So there are some general rules, but then that really depends on where they're grown, when they're grown, what priming. Um, and so it, for me, it's always important to, despite your familiarity, it's like casting. Despite your familiarity with an actor and the body of their work, they may not be right for this role in this show, even if they are an incredible actor. And so you have to do a read through, you have to do auditions, and you have to see if it's going to work together as a cast. For sure. And it's it's no different with a blend. Interesting. All right, then. Well, you know what? That actually is a pretty good segue. We're going to go ahead and jump into um, a quick segment here. It's time for the Villager Cigars Entertainment Report. Brought to you by Villager. Villager Cigars, one of the leading cigar and cigarello manufacturers in the world, founded in 1888 and still family-owned and operated. Head over to VilligerCigars.com and check the store locator to find a shop near you that carries them. We guarantee that Villager Cigars will be a wonderful addition to your humidor and cigar rotation. So this is the part of the show where we give, where we talk about what we're being entertained by. So be it TV, movies, books, podcasts, whatever it is you've been, entertainment you've been consuming, um, my listeners enjoy getting recommendations for that kind of stuff, stuff that maybe they hasn't crossed their radar. So what have, what have you been entertained by lately? I've been watching this new series on um, HBO Max called The Sopranos. I'm oh. not sure if you're, if you're familiar with it. or Big, you're big fan. Viewers and listeners, but uh, it's probably my 18th time through uh, the body of that work. I just think it's so great that every time I lose inspiration to find something new, I start season one, episode one all over again. And mm -hmm. I'm somewhere in the middle of episode of season five right now. Nice. Uh, but yeah, that to me is like, you know, eating my mom's spaghetti and sauce. Like it's comfortable. It's great every time. And there's always something, especially in that show, man, there's always something that you discover or that you notice that you didn't notice one time or the next time. So I'm the, the, the Sopranos is always on rotation for me. Um, I've also been getting into some of these, uh, I guess they're podcasts, but um, I've really been entertained by Bill Maher's um, club random club random. Podcast. Yeah. 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 
you know, it's just, he says it better than anyone. He's like, you know, we used to be able to just get together and talk and we didn't have to agree to agree on everything in order to enjoy each other's company and maybe agree on some things or maybe learn something that we didn't know before. For sure. I mean, that's certainly the way I grew up. And, you know, these days, man, it's difficult to find entertainment that isn't trying to indoctrinate you uh-huh. or convince you of something. And uh, and so I love that that show because, you know, sometimes it's a little left, sometimes it's a little right, but it's almost always dialogue. And that's what I'm into, you know, hearing two people that I probably don't agree with talk about things in meaningful ways. It certainly makes me think about what I do believe and it allows me to kind of challenge myself or reinforce what I believe to be true. No, Um, I I I really think that's great. And the people are like, I mean, he's had everyone from Tommy Lee to carrot top to Dr. uh, Phil. He had Dr. Phil on. Yeah. Dr. Phil, Candace Owens. I mean, really smart people with informed opinions and it's it's a great watch for two hours. You know, I listen to it. I watch it. I think it's great. Yeah. No, I catch that one in the car a lot. Um, and it's it's for the same reason. Like you said, it's it's just interesting to hear two people coming together, just talking through stuff. And, and they're all over the place. I mean, it, it's not – I don't know. You get You get a guy like William Shatner on there, and they're not talking a ton of, like, Star Trek and whatever that you'd expect them to. They're getting off on like all kinds of different random. It's well, almost it's within almost the title. always it's almost always just talking about current events. It's he has conversations with them, not as interviews about their life and careers, but really just about about life, about yeah. things you're into. You know, opinions and and I think it's just great having that kind of healthy debate is so important. So, um, uh, I'm a huge Sopranos fan. So you mentioning that, that's, uh, that, that's great. Have you listened to, uh, the, uh, talking Sopranos podcast at all? I watched it a bit during COVID when it started, Yeah, but, um, I didn't get into it. I thought I would get into it, but I think it's also because like, I've watched it so many times Yeah, that, like, I don't need to hear them talking about it, really. I mean, well, you know, I don't know. Plus, I know a lot of the guys that were on it over the years. And okay. I've, I've gotten to hear, you know, fun stories from the past. And, you know, I don't know. For, for that show, like, I don't I don't need to do a deep dive on the behind-the-scenes theories of Sopranos. Uh, the show is just good. I don't want to ruin it. I just yeah. want to watch the show, you know? What were your thoughts on uh, the many saints of Newark? Terrible. Yeah, I I, I didn't enjoy it. You know, I was I was all into it going into the theater, and when I came out, I was kind of like, you know, I just don't know what I make of it. And I talked with a friend of mine, and and we talked it through, and it's like, you know, the best part of it was uh, Gandolfini's son. <laughs> you had the credits, yeah. Was was Gandolfini's son? He truly he was, great. was, you know, and it's like, if that's the only thing I could say, it's like, yeah, we probably didn't need to go down that road. Yeah. 
I know a lot of people that loved it and like diehard Sopranos people who loved it. But I just, for me, it was too hard to keep track of. And I, I was just, maybe I was attaching it too much. I was spending all the time trying to reconcile it with the Sopranos. And most people said, you just have to watch it as like its own movie and, and not try and connect the dots to the show. But, but that's point. I had a hard time doing that. That, yeah. But that's pointless. If you're putting it out there as a prequel to the show, why would you want to do it that way, you know? And, uh, yeah, well, my problem with it was, I, I, and maybe this is me putting unfair expectations on it, I didn't realize it was going to be so heavy on the Multisante family as much as I thought we were going to see more of Tony coming of age and, and doing stuff. And he really didn't get, like, into it until like the very end and even then we didn't really see anything it's just i don't know i just i expected more of 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 that and i didn't get that yeah i didn't love it okay okay well that's fair well i spent the weekend with my son so i watched a whole lot of thomas the tank engine so i didn't really perfect you know i love thomas (laughs) i didn't really get a whole lot of uh additional viewing in i did recently see um, a haunting in Venice, which um, it's one of the uh, um, Hercule Poirot movies uh, by Kenneth Branagh. He did the huh. the um, Murder on the Orient Express. That was a handful of years ago. Then they did the uh, Death on the Nile. That would have come out 2020, 2021. I feel like it was twenty twenty one, right around the time theaters were kind of starting to come back. And then um, this is the third entry. And it was so they put it out right before Halloween, and it was a really good little little spooky mystery whodunit, you know, really Agatha Christie ish kind of movie. I I really enjoyed it. Cast was really these days. Great. I get I get all my entertainment on Delta Airlines. Oh, so I'm sometimes at the mercy of what's on there. But I did just watch the um, the Blackberry movie. Oh, I wanted to see that. That had um, who was in that? Uh, the guy from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, wasn't Dude, he? It was pretty good. Uh, you know who I'm talking about. The I, he, I he couldn't. Was... I didn't really recognize much of the cast. Oh, I'm gonna but... he's bald. I'm gonna have to let uh, look this up. Um, it was good. Uh, I mean, as a as a BlackBerry guy, yeah. Who I mean, it really hurt my soul when I got an iPhone, and I carried both for a while because I had my personal still BlackBerry and work went to iphone but it's kind of funny because i can i can remember hating the iphone and loving the blackberry and when i got it really hating it and being convinced that i loved the blackberry and then about a year later kind of indifferent and found myself using the iphone more and then whatever like when it was time to upgrade my blackberry i was like this thing is over (laughs) and got rid of it and never went back and you kind of tracked that through the movie, yeah. you know, like just how it was, everything changed the world. Everything was great. And then this thing came out and everyone, they were like, no way. It doesn't even have any keys on it. Like forget it. And yeah, that's yeah. it. And here we are. You know what happened? Yeah. Interesting. Um, no, I did want to see that. I'm waiting. There's so many of them anymore these days that uh, I just kind of wait for streaming. 
you know, uh, the convenience of being I've able never to... been a theater guy, to be honest with you. See, I love the theater. I worked in a theater in high school, and I, I do like the theater experience. And especially now that they've all upgraded to these big leather chairs, the heated and the recliners and everything, it's like the, the seating experience. Oh, I don't have any of those. Oh, they're, those are nice. But, um, you know, I, I like the theater experience, but they've priced it out so much that you have to get picky. And the other unfortunate thing is it seems like the movies like we're talking about, um, they don't do as well in the theater because they're not billion-dollar blockbusters coming from you right. know, Marvel and Star Wars and whatever else, and so they don't do as well, so they don't go there. So I'm having to find more on streaming now. Um, I did see uh, uh, is it Dumb Money, all about the, the GameStop. Or yeah, GameStop stock deal. Yeah, I, mean, I started it. I didn't finish it. It was it was all right. It was it wasn't bad. Um, it was interesting I do like for what it was. Things that are that are somewhat nonfiction. I like. I like oh, documentaries. I, learn, I love a good documentary. Like learn about, but even like the Blackberry. Like it's not a documentary. It's a movie. Yeah, but it's still it's it's rooted in facts. You know, yeah. anytime that there's things that are somewhat rooted in in true story, even. Sopranos or or Many Saints, it's fiction, but it's it's rooted in things that things like that happen. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I I like that kind of stuff. Now, after I watched Sopranos, the one that I got into um, was uh, Boardwalk Empire. Did you watch that at all? Couldn't get into it. Really? I really tried. I couldn't do it. I'll admit. it slowed down, like later seasons slowed down. It, it was stronger early on. So if you didn't like it early on, you probably weren't going to like the later stuff. But uh, I usually, for a while, yeah. I was rotating between Sopranos and Mad Men. Okay. And I would go back to Mad Men. Then, uh, what did we roll in there? The Wire? Uh, billions. Oh, I do like Billions. I do need to. Billions. I need to watch this current season. Um, I do too. I haven't watched the latest Succession. Oh, I like Succession. Succession was good. Yeah. What did you think of the end of that? Of Succession? Yes. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was fine. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, kind of like the the last episode of of Sopranos, like, I don't really care. Okay. It's over. It's done. So that's it. I just didn't know no if you problem. were invested in any one of the siblings to where, you know, at the nah. end, you're kind of like sitting there. I mean, like, I was surprised I, it went that way. Yeah. But for me, it was like a great show. It ends how it ends. Okay. 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 Well, interesting. Well, then um, we will close that segment out and uh, we can uh, just uh, at this point talk about our cigars for a minute. I'm a little little right around halfway on mine yeah it's been a nice great slow smoke very pleasant um heavy body on the cigar not so much in terms of like slit your throat flavor because uh, when i did look it up um correct me if i'm wrong it was a uh was it a honduran wrapper and then nicaraguan binder and filler Yes, sir. Okay, so just reading that, generalities, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, okay, there's probably going to be a lot of like peppery spice and everything going on in this. And I haven't really encountered that. I mean, there's maybe a hint of it on the retrohale, but not a ton. And uh, But the body, it's been a very full-bodied cigar. And again, going back to my style, that's 
that's the most important thing to me. First is body. And what I wanted for these two to share is a mouth-fillingly round, creamy body, despite the flavors. And then following the wine inspiration, I wanted a big, creamy, uh, Chardonnay-like white. And I wanted a big, kind of old-world, rich, dense, intense red. And that's the red, that's and this I've is got. the white. Okay. But the other thing that you're experiencing is also two and a half additional years of aging, um, which, of course, plays some role, although I, I would say that two and a half years isn't a significant amount of aging. Yeah. It still plays some part in in softening the edges of that blend had you smoked it new in 21. Okay. Um, but for me, Generoso in general starts with a touch of that kind of bright spiciness. Um, and certainly the 2023 does this. And then it really rounds out and creams out and gets dark and gets dense and you lose that edge and it becomes very decadent and almost meaty, mm -hmm. like a, like a well-marbled steak. That's a good way of describing it. Meaty. Yeah. Interesting. So then and this one is straight in creamy, creamy, buttery, buttered popcorn, creme brulee, a little toffee. It's I love this blend so much. And it's so like the thing about body. The the body is the weight and the texture and the feeling. Right. Which also means that it's visual. Like body, you can literally see. Yeah. And typically with cigars that have this color wrapper and certainly with cigars that tend to be very intense in their strength of flavor, they tend not to be full embodied because on the strong side, they are disproportionately using Lajero, which burns less, or on the milder side, they're only using Seikos and Bezos, which don't have the, um, the texture or character in the leaf itself to create that level of body. In both of these cases, there's use of Lajero. In both of these cases, there's Nicaragua. Um, and so you're able to craft, we were able to craft body in a way that's mouth-fillingly full and visually obvious. Um, and then level, layer the flavors that we were looking to achieve. No, that's great. That's interesting. I. The, the whole process is so interesting as to how that that comes about. I think that's really fascinating. So let's talk a little bit about the Suma. Like I said, you know, that, that one, I have it inside. Uh, I smoked one uh, out on the patio at Ash and Ale uh, with you on that day. So let's talk about the Suma a little bit. It's delicious. I liked it. <laughs> I, um, I did. I said Ken and I were sitting there smoking it while you were talking to Jimmy. It was a fantastic cigar. It's, it is a blend. So Suma means a synthesis of the work so far. And I, Suma is not just a synthesis of Elegancia and Generoso, but it's really a synthesis of all the blends I've ever worked on. You know, I mean, I think as an artist, uh, you don't abandon what you've done before. You're always kind of incorporating your 
previous work into your new work. And there's a, there's always a, there's a constant state of evolution as an artist. Um, and so that, I suppose every blend I do is a summa of, of the work to date, but I really wanted to create something that kind of memorialized where we are in this process. Um, especially with two years and welcoming the third year of Elegancia and Generoso, something to really anchor and solidify Ferriotego as a brand that was evergreen. And so that is what Suma is. And so Suma has a great deal of Nicaragua filler with some uh, filler from the Dominican Republic. And then it uses Ecuador binder and Ecuador wrapper. And it just, it, it comes together in a fudgy, uh, dense, viscous delivery of darker flavors in the, um, in the majority. So a lot more coffee, chocolate, espresso, leather, earth, with some supporting flavors from the Dominican Republic influence, like cedar, a bit of nuttiness, and then you add that double influence of Ecuador, Ecuador, particularly these seeds, this is a Sumatra binder and a Corojo wrapper. It lends flavor, but it also lends the influence of the terroir. And Ecuador has a viscosity to it um, that you get to some extent in Ecuador grown Connecticut but you really start to get it in Ecuador grown Habano and you definitely get it in Sumatra and Criollo and some of the seeds that grow thicker. Mm-hmm. And so it just, it, it, it allows the flavor of Corojo to remain, but in a body and texture that is so classically Ecuador that it's just, it's smooth, but it's rich. It's, it's like pure fudge. I only smoked the one about a week and a half ago, and so correct me if I'm wrong. Kind of a medium body to that cigar. It wasn't. I don't remember it being a very like really heavy bodied cigar, um, but it wasn't light in in smoking experience either. It had a nice kind of medium body to it. It depends. I guess it depends a little on the on the size that you're smoking. I had the um, uh, what is it, Corona Grande. Yeah, so the yeah. the Corona Gorda is oh, probably it. medium plus. Okay. Um, the Robusto is a little denser than the Corona Gorda. The 60 and the Torpedo have a much wider, fuller, denser body. Okay. Interesting. And that's the one that's now a core line that's available. Four sizes, available the, everywhere, boxes of 10. And those boxes, correct me if I'm wrong, those are those are the humidor boxes, right? The Elegancia and Generoso those are, the humidor are packed in the humidors. Okay. Suma is it's still an Okume box, so yeah. it's non-porous, non-aromatic, but it's not a fully functioning humidor the way Elegancia and Generoso okay. are. I was I was confused by I remember uh it was uh was it Carlos? Carlos, your rep, he was there and and he was showing off the box and but it was the it was one of the other boxes. That's right. Okay. Um, so with these, with the with the annual release of Elegancia and Generoso, they are packed in a handmade humidor 
with humidity down below that's not activated. So you activate it as you like. Um, but of course, you can put the cigars right in your own humidor and use the travel humidor wherever you go. But you can also activate the humidity and store the cigars in their humidor if space is an issue, but you still want to collect the annual limited releases. Interesting. All right, then. And then uh, this year's release in stores now, coming very soon, should be in stores now? Shipped last week. There you, perfect timing. Perfect so timing. So some people may still have some 2022s on the shelf, um, and so 23s may be coming. Others had sold out of 22s and waited for 23s, mm-hmm. uh, and so 23s are in. Um, but, you know, I'll tell you that as a new small business, and I think we were talking about this earlier, the the most important thing for us is to establish confidence and trust in the brand. And that's from a consumer perspective as well as a retailer perspective. And the most meaningful way to do that is through consumers who love what we do. And when you go the extra step as a consumer and take a picture and brag about it, post it, um, walk into a retailer and ask them if they have it and tell them your experience with it, or even mention it if you're in a lounge to some of your fellow enthusiasts that you're enjoying a cigar with, that is, for all intents and purposes, that is an endorsement. It's a it's an authentic endorsement about Ferriotego. And, and that goes a very long way in um, not just advocating and building awareness for Ferriotego, but really establishing a track record of demand, a track record of... Um, quality and consistency and reassuring retailers and consumers that this is a brand worth investing in. Well, and that's one of the hardships that I know for small brands that are getting going is is building that that relationship, but also that word of mouth, you know, getting the word out there that, hey, we exist and we've got good products. And I know we had talked about that in uh, Florida as well, that, you know, you're doing well on the East Coast with uh, uh, shops that you've had prior relationships with owners and various things like that. Um, you know, a little bit on the West Coast, you're doing all right. And the, but like my area, middle of the country, it's, you know, you're out there, but it's not maybe to the same extent. And so this is where, you know, us Midwesterners need to need to step up and, and you know, produce some uh some uh, uh uh results for you out here and just you know say tell our retailers hey we want to try this stuff you know get this stuff in that's and especially when you you know there are not every retailer but a lot of a lot of retailers are so focused on building their business and working with the vendors they have and and continuing to supply the brands that people are asking for today yeah um it's difficult to do that and at the same time keep your finger on the pulse of all the other things that are happening in the industry. And so that's really where I think retailers rely on consumers to give them feedback and give them ideas and tell them what they've experienced and enjoyed and heard about and read about because it, it's it's not easy to manage a business and run a business and at the same time try and see what else is out there 
um, that's making noise and really contributing meaningfully. So, oh, there's um, businesses that have hired well, I, people just to do that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, well, interesting. Well, um, real quick, I want to discuss, uh, or I'm going to do a little plug here for my monthly cigars. It's a premium cigar subscription service. You can get a box of cigars sent to your door every month. They have a couple different variety sizes. I get the Robusto box, which is four cigars for $30. They have the El Presidente, which is eight cigars for $50. And if you use offer code PULPIT, P-U-L-P-I-T, gets you free shipping on the first box. And while you're over there, try the fucking good coffee because um, he's got a variety of different coffees under the fucking good coffee brand and they pair well with cigars so make sure you head on over to mymonthlycigars.com and try the cigars and the fucking good coffee michael thank you so much for taking time out i really do appreciate this man i'm so glad it worked this i really am i'm let, glad we did it let's not let's not wait you know two and a half years, years to do this again this has been nice agreed um now let's let's you know before we go let's talk the future a little bit ferry otago um trade shows and do you have anything else coming up that you want to promote um well let's see we've got the, the 2023 elegancia and generoso landing in stores so that is as current as it gets and mm -hmm. suma is still making its way into shops um you know when i think new I think new in terms of opportunity. I think new in terms of growth. I don't always think new in, ter in terms of product. Okay. Uh, so we're excited. We just opened up um, Asia. So we're in Japan, Hong Kong, and Macau. And we're looking at some additional international markets. You just triggered a whole other thought process for me. We're going to have another follow-up right. question to that. But okay, go ahead. So that's, that's exciting for us for new. Um, we get new accounts every single week with a new store and new location excited to try us so we update our store locator we try and update it every week so make sure and check make sure that if you're carrying Ferriotego that your store is on there because if it's not i want to make sure that we get it on there for sure um but if you're just bring it in let us know so we can be sure to update that store locator um and brand wise for 2024 of course we'll do another taa limited release um taa got moved a little later in the year but we'll certainly um release our taa again under the timeless brand um and 2024 elegancy and generoso between now and then though we are starting to add some new sizes as appropriate um when we launched we obviously because we were launching so many things at, in such a short amount of time we wanted to make sure that what we were introducing to market were proven winners, that these are sizes that are going to sell blends that people already have a history with uh, to mitigate any risk. Yeah. Right. Pro proven winners out of the gate. Makes perfect sense. However, a lot of that meant pretty much exclusively ring gauges above a 50, um, which selfishly I happen to enjoy uh 46s and 38s and 42s and different shapes so we're going to start to introduce some um some more unique formats within some of our blends over the next few months uh, so i'm very excited to bring those back even if it's just selfishly for me to have more to enjoy uh but i certainly think <laughs> they're your cigars whatever <laughs> there's enough people out there like me that that like narrower ring gauges and shorter formats and shapes and those types of things 
Um, so I'm excited to bring some of those out and, uh, and we'll see, you know, I, there's only so much time yeah. in a day and in, in a week and in a month and in a year. And there's only so much room in a humidor. And I believe it's better for all partners to invest our time in preserving and growing what we have rather than continuing to add and add and add and add. Because I really think there, there must be a counter effect of, of diluting the, 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 the sum total of your equity when it keeps getting, it doesn't do this and this every time. Yeah. Something contracts. And I believe our stuff is so good and it's been so meaningful for so long to so many that I want to spend our time. I think consistency is the greatest way to show gratitude. No. By keeping things consistent and keeping quality high, it's our way of saying thank you to our consumers and thank you to our retailers and and keeping up our end of the deal. And Ferriotego is not a meme. Ferriotego is here for the long term. And so that means that these are blends that you can discover today, but you can depend on tomorrow. To me, that's the name of this game long term. So as as exciting as it can be to launch new things, I get much more excited seeing the confidence in our product grow and seeing people depend on our brands year in and year out. There's a lot to unpack there. Um, I mean, yeah, there's at least one brand that I'm going to let them remain nameless that uh, I feel like they chased... Um, I'll be honest. I, I feel like they chased the quick buck with limited editions to the point that their core line is practically non-existent anymore. And, you know, you wonder about the, the long-term stability of that. Um, you have, uh, yeah, there's just, there's a lot to unpack there. And, uh, you know, one of the things you talked about was the, you know, the, the, are you diluting yourself? There's so many great cigars in the you know out there and available not just from you but you know other companies and everything that i was just talking with one of the listeners the other day he was uh telling me that he um found one that uh uh he hadn't smoked in a long time and he's like you know it's one of those things there's so many good cigars you kind of forget about some sometimes and then you circle back and you're like why do i not smoke this more often and you know so it's one of those things where if you can get your cigar into somebody's regular rotation, that's huge. That's just absolutely huge for, for a brand. So um, part of that is the work of trying to create brand blend experiences that you can't forget about. And the consistency to be able to provide that every time going forward. Now that makes a lot of sense. Now, um, before I deviate onto the little subtract that I thought of as you were talking there, um, trade shows, TPE and PCA, they're both coming up. Are you going to be at those? We're at everything. TPA, TPE, <clears throat> PCA, TAA. If it's happening, we're there. Perfect. All right. So all the retailers listening can uh, head on over. You're typically set up with the Davidoff booth, correct? Since they do the distribution. For TPE, we are incorporated in the Davidoff booth. Okay. For PCA, we are our own booth. Okay. 
uh, and for TAA, we are at our own table. Okay. But for the retailers listening, don't wait for a trade show. Well, no, We're an easy guy to find. So reach out to your Davidoff USA rep or reach out to me directly, and I would love to tell you more about what we're doing. For sure. Now, the little deviation that I had. I want to talk to you about foreign markets. It seems like um, the foreign markets have obviously exploded with the New World cigars, with the uh, um, lack of product from Cuba to a lot of those places other than, I guess, maybe China. Um have you seen you you said you just got into Asia? Have you seen a lot of growth uh in the uh overseas markets? I haven't seen a lot of growth with our brands because we're just making it there. Okay. In in having meaningful conversations with international retailers, I can tell you that the interest in and the success of non-Cuban cigars has been growing at a pace um, that began way before um, the uh, supply issues of Cuba. Okay. Um, I think <clears throat> I think consumers in general are finally, particularly international consumers, international consumers finally recognize that non-Cuban cigars have meaningful, memorable experiences that are completely unique and different from Cuba. And what has evolved in that thinking is that the flavor and experience of a cigar that is not Cuban does not necessarily mean better or worse just because it's different, it simply means different. So not unlike most, most wine enthusiasts, though they may favor France or Italy, um, still appreciate Napa and Oregon. And there is, there is a case that all things can be very good and different, and you find the things that you like. In the cigar world, it has been, I think, um, a bit too singularly focused on Cuba for too long. Mm -hmm. uh, and I believe that was purely mindset and bias. And I think with the, with the um, younger generations who approached the hobby with an open mind, um, their discovery of different flavors and different experiences from different companies in different countries and different regions of the world, they're discovering that that's what makes this world go round, yeah, you know? Yeah. And when you, when you widen your pantry, you can create more experiences. Oh, and makes a lot of sense. And it's crazy that I said widen the pantry and your screen just did that i don't know if i did that or did you see that uh i have what okay so i have a newer ipad that i use for this and i i i, I didn't know that it did this somebody else pointed this out to me that it'll like pan it'll like yeah. it'll do this and it's got some sort of adaptive lens that it'll follow me so when i I'll... said 
widen their experience it, it like widen my widen your screen <laughs> that was nuts that's really weird um so as uh, my other follow-up question of that with uh, the overseas markets is more of a business one uh as it pertains to the 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 business and the brand so you know in the united states um in all fairness you're two years so you're you're still a small business you know working on building your brand do you find that going over well maybe or it, let me ask this um since you're since you're dipping the toe in the water maybe it might be a little premature to ask this but my thought process is that it, when you go overseas and you're introducing Ferriotego to these new cigar or these cigar consumers over there that are finding all these newer new world brands I would make the argument you might be more on a level playing field with some of the bigger guys in terms of brand recognition at that point to where for you as a smaller company, are the rewards greater perhaps for dabbling in some of those markets? Am, am I making any sense? I understand. I understand what you're saying. Okay. Um, there is no more important market on the planet than the United States market for handmade premium cigar consumption. Oh, for sure. Period. Full stop. So for me, the U S market is my number one priority. That's it. And there is a lot of work to do as we've just discussed from a brand equity standpoint, brand awareness standpoint, confidence and track record. So our international growth is really responding to demand, not trying to penetrate and um, gain ground there. Okay. That's really the work we're trying to do here. And we're really responding to interest and demand internationally with distributors who have said, we're getting a lot of requests for your brands in this market. Can we can we do something to get them here? Um, I do think that there is a unique opportunity right now because there is there is a bit of momentum and trend associated with newer brands. Mm -hmm. But then that level playing field of exploration becomes unlevel when other brands have marketing budgets and advertising dollars and they have more effective ways to communicate and market their brands to consumers in those markets, mm -hmm. we're not there yet. So no different than the United States, we're relying solely on the most basic tools of word of mouth, retailer support, and really helpful tools like this and social media to try and get the story out there. I don't know how influential things like this are in international markets that speak different languages and and so I think we're we're still very focused on the opportunities that exist in the United States. But if an opportunity comes to us that we really believe that partner is going to go do some of that work on our behalf and that they are as excited as we are about the Ferry Otago story and the quality of our blends and brands, then that's something that I think we move forward with. Interesting. Well, that, that answers my question then. Well, then where can everybody follow you on the socials? Yeah, so if you want to follow me, 
it's Michael Harklotz on everything. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Michael Harklotz. Um, if you want to follow all things brand, it's Ferriotego on Instagram, Ferriotego on Facebook, and Ferriotego Cigars on Twitter. All right. And people can follow me on Instagram at The Cigar Pulpit. I'm on Facebook where we have the Pulpit Parishioners Group. It's a private group, so just request access and you get in on that. And uh, people like to share all kinds of fun stuff and pick on me and whatever else in there. I, I, I take it. Uh, I'm on Twitter slash X. I don't really do a whole lot on there, but, you know, I have it. And uh, YouTube, where you can watch this. And guys, we do need your calls for next month's Ask the Boys episode that's coming up at the end of November. So get your calls, questions, concerns, whatever you want to talk about in by calling the hotline at area code 863-874-0000. Michael, it has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you this afternoon. Likewise. I appreciate the time. I appreciate your support. And for those watching or listening, please amplify the brands that you love take a picture tell a friend post it tag it any level of advocacy makes a huge difference in our ability to grow well because let's be real the social media giants aren't helping us in any way shape or form so they are know. they are actively doing the opposite precisely so there is strength in numbers and i need all the help we can get there you go well, guys, this has been another sermon from the Cigar Pulpit. I'm Nick. That's that. That's Michael. Oh, was I supposed to say? <laughs> yeah, something? whatever. Everybody, stay safe and stay smoky. Mm-hmm.